We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I am Ty Windish. As I'm sure you can tell, listener, this is not Kane Pittman. I am not Australian. Kane is unavailable this evening, but the show must go on. The NBA Draft 2019 is coming soon, and we wanted to get a bit of an idea of who might be available to the Milwaukee Bucks with the 30th overall pick. I'm not a draft expert. Luckily, my guest on this episode, Trevor Magnotti, certainly is. He is a writer at Fear the Sword and at The Step Back, also the host of the Thick Thick Jacked Frames podcast. Almost got through it perfectly there. Trevor's come to help enlighten us on some uh, prospects. Trevor, how's it going? Going good. I'm hoping that I can maintain your podcast requisite number of Matthew Dwavadova fans tonight. Um, and if I can reach that goal, I think we're going to have a good episode. The Delhi talk is always encouraged. You know, we have a special fondness for Australian former Bucks on the podcast. Unfortunately, we've now lost all of our Aussies, but hopefully we'll get some back soon. Maybe not Delhi though. But speaking of players, not my best segue of all time. I want to get an idea from you as to some First, reasonable targets the Bucks could get. I mean, the unfortunate thing about being good, and I, I know this is quite the first world problem in the NBA, is all of the guys people are salivating over at the top of the draft. I mean, Zion, of course. You know, some of the others, Darius Garland, John Morant, the, the Wings, Culver, and uh, and Hunter. Those guys are all not, not even a chance, obviously, not even close. You know, who are some of the players – I think first off, who could potentially slide to 30, who are probably better than that. You know, some of the guys who people may know a little bit about, maybe some of the better prospects that you could see potentially sliding down draft boards. Yeah, I think one of the major selling points for for Bucks fans to get excited about the draft is this is by far the weirdest draft class that I've covered since I started doing this. So this will be my fifth year 
covering the draft in any sort of detail. Um, so kind of going back to 2014, the way that players are being valued in this draft class is very weird. And I think that there is a real disconnect between the teams and the draft evaluators in the media that are really kind of having a difficult time squaring different types of prospects against each other. And what that means is there's a very high likelihood of players that a lot of us in the draft community on Twitter think are going to be very, very solid players in the NBA falling potentially into the end of the first round. Um, for a good example there, Grant Williams of Tennessee is a player who is in the top 10 on most draft boards that you will see in terms of just big board in a vacuum um, among kind of the draft Twitter community. And he's in mock drafts getting mocked around the early second round. So he definitely is going to be potentially available for the Bucks at 30. And that would be a steal. He's the guy that I have ranked eighth on my final board um, that I'm going to be posting next week. Um, so if you can, you know, kind of get a guy like that, at the spot that the Bucks are going to be picking, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, situation to come into. Now, if he's gone, um, I think there are still some other guys who are kind of going to fit in a similar range. I think there's potential for a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Virginia Tech, to fall down to that range. I think there's a chance for Matisse Stiebel, Washington, to fall down to that range. There are going to be guys who are maybe not – sure starter level players, but guys who I think can be really good specialists off the bench in a good rotation or on a good team's rotation that are going to be available at the Bucks spot. And I think if you can add another one of those guys on a cheap contract, that's how you maintain a team that's as good as Milwaukee was this past year. Absolutely. And this has been, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, Milwaukee has been victimized or anything, but that has been something the Bucks have been pretty good at. I want to say, I mean, there was an entire contingent of DJ Wilson truthers. That's how exciting he was and, and in a pretty limited run this last season. Got him at 17. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon in the second round is a huge coup. Uh, Sterling Brown, who is someone who I cape for uh, personally, uh, another second-round pick who at least showed flashes of being a, a capable player. Didn't really get much playoff run once the team was healthier, but still, it, it would be nice to see the Bucks sort of carry on that tradition of finding a guy you know, later on in the draft, formerly it was the second round. Now it's the very end of the first round. So tell me a little bit about Grant Williams. I don't want to get my or Bucks fans hopes up too much. It almost seems too good to be true that a guy with the potential of, you know, top 10 talent in this draft, top eight on your final board falling to Milwaukee almost seems like, you know, there's got to be some sort of catch there, but what, what kind of prospect is Williams? So he's a guy that I think is just going to provide a lot of lineup versatility with whatever team he ends up being drafted by. He is one of the smartest players in the draft, if not the smartest, in terms of his ability to read the floor on offense and make solid sound decisions on defense and be able to react quickly enough to be able to be a very good team defender. He is probably the second best team defender in the class behind Brandon Clark of Gonzaga. Um, I think that if you're taking Williams, you're betting on him kind of fitting into the Jay Crowder type role where he's going to be a little, he's a little bit undersized. He's a six, five guy. Who's probably going to be playing a majority of his minutes as a nominal power forward, but who offers enough skills to be able to complement the guys that are put around him and, and, 
allow you to play pretty much everybody else on the rest of your roster with him in some combination. Um, I think that he's a really good passer from the elbow and is going to be able to move the ball really well at the next level. I think there's upside that he's going to be able to shoot at least from deep mid-range free throw line extended um, and probably the corners um, with the potential that he could extend it out to like an above the break three. And I think that just his ability to defend across the board as a kind of team defender on rotations and switches, I think is going to make him incredibly valuable, especially on a team like the Bucks, where, you know, he kind of has an instant fit with the rest of their kind of switchy wings throughout the roster. I mean, you could potentially play a front court of Chris Middleton, Giannis and Grant Williams with two other guards and not give up rebounding and not give up shots at the rim very easily. And those are the two things that small ball lineups traditionally struggle with. And I think that he can go a long way to helping to create those kind of optimal situations for potential for Giannis at the five. I mean, I'm sold. Um, <laughs> I, I would now be, I think, thrilled if if he were to fall to that 30th pick. I I feel like you know, he is that that's a player in Williams. He three years did he play? Two years? Uh, he was a junior, but functionally, he's a sophomore. He was one of the youngest players in the junior class this year okay. and is still going to be 20 when I believe when the NBA season starts. Oh, wow. So pretty young, too. I know one thing that uh, we had talked briefly about uh, this podcast beforehand. Uh, William's sort of an exception to what I would expect to look for with that pick. Obviously, uh, a, the good kind of exception. But one thing I mentioned is it seems like the Bucks like mm-hmm. to target older players with their later picks. Seems like that's kind of a sort of a a way that some some smart teams, not just Milwaukee, certainly others have done it too. Have sort of almost game the draft is really skilled players who happen to be you know 20, 21, 22, 23, even twenty four in, in Malcolm Brogdon's case, sort of falling to the them in the forties just because everyone wants the trendy nineteen year old who you can imagine all these things about. You know, no one. No one thinks that a guy like Sterling Brown is going to end up being a superstar and teams like to take those swings, it feels like. The Bucks really don't, especially now. I mean, they have really good players. They're looking for guys who can produce. Who are some older players who might be around at 30 who you think could come in and make an impact pretty quickly for Milwaukee? Yeah, I, th- I think this is a great draft for that because the senior class in this year's draft, kind of the automatically eligible guys, is pretty deep. There are a lot of kind of 22, 23-year-old guys who are going to be probable role among the probable role players out of this class that are pretty significantly developed and kind of ready to contribute right away. I mean, that's the moniker that these upperclassmen guys get is these are the guys that you're going to be able to plug in and get contributions from next year. And that doesn't always seem to be the case for every senior. Otherwise it would be, a case where we'd be back in the 90s and taking a majority four-year players in the top 10. But I think that there still is some validity to taking those types of guys. I mean, it's especially in this year's class, it's kind of the mystery box uh, gag from Family Guy. I mean, you compare a guy like Romeo Langford and you compare a guy like uh, Matisse Thibel and, you know, 
it's it's kind of a thing where like Matisse Thibel is a really good perimeter defender and and is probably going to be a really good rotation player, but uh, Romeo Langford could be anything. He could even be a Matisse Thibel. Um, <laughs> right. So I, I think that there I think that there are definitely some guys that the Bucks could consider there. Thibel I think is one option, um, one of the best perimeter defenders that I think we've ever seen. Um, played a majority zone, but I mean even with the zone, his ability to generate steals and blocks in simple help defense situations was potentially the best that we've seen in the last decade um, at Washington. Cam Johnson of North Carolina is the best shooter off movement in the draft at a, at 6'9". Um, so a really tall player who can be a really solid floor spacer in like a small ball four role. And then I also really like Eric Pass. Pascal of Villanova, another senior guy who has kind of the weight to be kind of like a small ball five, but functionally on offense plays like a three. And I think that he, again, could be a guy where he's providing a lot of lineup versatility to this team in a way that, you know, they, they need to be able to kind of match up with every other team in the, in the East and eventually match up with whoever is going to be and end up coming out of the West next year. Definitely. Uh, versatility always a plus in basically every situation in the NBA these days, it feels like. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple of guys who I I know of for really no other reason than just name recognition. For whatever reason, their, their names have been out there. So I'm going to lob three guys at you right now. Uh, I know you got the, the new big board cooking right now. This I have one from May here may 6th i believe that i think is the the most recent as of this point yeah I could be wrong okay um three guys that i've heard of either through doing my gm on 2k or stories written about them whatever it may be nas reed i'm gonna mess up this pronunciation i said last episode i was gonna mess up pronunciations in this one rui hachimura nailed it oh hell yeah. let's go um i mean I, I know people aren't that excited about him but at least i got the name right and darius basley who I just know because of that really cool thing Mark Stein wrote about him and Clutch Sports. And it's hilarious that on the on the big board, it's like above him is Jordan Poole from Michigan, below him is Demarcus Simmons from Georgia State, and then Darius Baisley, small forward, New Balance. Pretty pretty funny. Anyone who doesn't know, uh, Rich Paul had Darius Baisley take a guaranteed $1 million internship at New Balance as his draft year thing, I guess. I, I've heard of players going overseas. I think I've heard of players who just train themselves, although I think that's rarer. Obviously, a lot of guys go to college. Intern at New Balance is a new one for me, but those three guys, guys, maybe people might know about a little more, uh, some of the less hardcore draft nicks in, in Bucks Twitter. Are any of them good fits, good prospects, or are they kind of just the guys who ended up getting some acclaim before the draft? Yeah, as uh, as your, your boy Eric Bledsoe now knows, Rich Paul gets you paid. It's just doesn't necessarily come in the most optimal way sometime. <laughs> a bag is a bag, I guess. Yeah. So I I think that all three of these guys are kind of emblematic of the way that like the the guys that I have ranked in the second round kind of are. I've been working on my final big board right now. And as I go through the second round, I'm just it's guy after guy after guy where it's it's like you can see small slivers of ways that they can contribute, but also just these giant red flags that probably mean that they're going to be nothing more than like an end of the bench guy in the, in the league. Hachimura is a great example of this, a guy who potentially could go in the lottery 
in this draft. And that is absolutely insane to me um, because he is probably the worst defensive prospect in the draft class. I would probably say that even like Carson Edwards of Purdue and John Morant and Darius Garland, all the point guards are better defensive prospects than Rui is because of how little he understands the world around him on the defensive end. Um, and I think that he also had kind of has a little bit of an antiquated skill set. If I mean, 10 years ago, he probably is a much more palatable option at the four. But I mean, in the current NBA, he, you need to be able to shoot at the four. You need to be able to provide some kind of spacing threat or some kind of handling threat to be able to survive against these modern defenses. And he really, I don't think, does either of those at the NBA level. Um, Reed then is a guy who I think is super skilled. I think that he has some hints at some real NBA skill talent, um, in, especially in terms of his ability to put the ball on the deck from the elbow and be able to shoot off the dribble. But also he is probably the worst athlete in the class. Uh, and I think he really has a severe limitation in kind of how stiff he is moving on the court to kind of actually be able to realize that skill set. And then Basley, you know, I think that he's a guy that could have kind of a very functional modern skill set in terms of his ability to to shoot from three and be able to attack and transition and potentially switch at the NBA level. But he's just so thin that I really wonder if his body's going to be able to hold up to him playing the three or the four, um, especially because he probably doesn't have the quickness to be like or to be played as a two or as like a full-time small ball three so really that's kind of the thing I keep coming back to there is a there is a drop off at some point in this draft where it goes from players who I think are kind of specialists kind of later on the guys like Nikhil Alexander Walker like Cam Johnson like Matisse Thibel who could provide value in a specific rotation spot to guys who I it's just going to be such a long road to them even being like a the end of a rotation in the NBA it's interesting it's it's nice to for Milwaukee to be in a position that you know they can afford to say we'll just add a specialist we don't need to take a such a risky it seems swing on on one of those guys or one of the other guys late who maybe ends up being awesome but you know probably uh less so uh, i've got more questions i want to ask you more things i need you to tell me but first trevor i need to tell you some things about some of our partners here at blue wire everyone's favorite part of the podcast my ad reads uh, i just think trevor that when you're selling online getting your orders out can be a real pain i'm sure you know all about this and that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. It's like what Draft Express used to be, RIP. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Eurostep listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE, there's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. All you have to do is 
is visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue, B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com, enter promo code blue. All you got to do is make ship happen. Also, got to give a shout out to Harry's, Harry's Razors. We want our listeners to be shaving comfortably here at the Eurostep. So you guys and girls, I guess, can go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set. This value trial set, what a good value. It includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, no poor shave gel here, and a travel blade cover. You get all of it for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. That's because Harry's fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. That's why they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for more than 95 years. That's almost a century. You too can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim that trial offer for $3 by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee, just like this podcast. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. We too, here at the Eurostep, will refund you 100% of the cost of admission to this podcast if you don't like it. That's a guarantee. That's got my name on it. Okay, Trevor, I have another draft question for you. Let's go. One position, well, I'll just combine them. Two positions that I think the Bucks could really use for back, hopefully backups at both, depending on what happens with Brooke Lopez, is Milwaukee could use a true backup five, I think. Nico Miritich was brought in to, you know, just to provide shooting in general, but I think also sort of to do that, he was awful. He couldn't rim protect the way he, he I think, needed to. And really, the Bucks don't have a – a clean backup point guard if George Hill leaves. And I think that could be a problem. I mean, obviously the Bucks aren't going to keep him for 19 million. Uh, can release him for that small guarantee. Try to resign him. Nothing's certain, but backup ones, backup fives. Is there any players that slot cleanly into those designations that could be available at 30 overall? Yeah, but I've got, I've got three players for you here. Um, two point guards and then one, uh, center the two the two point guards I think the best options for the Bucks are Carson Edwards of Purdue and Shamori Pons of St. John's I think that those are kind of the two guys after the guys who are going to go in the top 10 that are the next two point guards on the board for me um, for Pons I think that he's just a really good playmaker um, makes a lot of sound decisions and I think could be really really effective in a role like being a backup one in Milwaukee where his playmaking is suddenly so much more effective with the spacing that the team has. And then also the vertical spacing that's provided by having, you know, Giannis in the middle, able to dunk everything that he throws up. Um, I think that this is a, this is an ideal fit for him. I think that he could slot in as kind of like a Monty Morris type where you're asking him to maybe play 15 minutes a game, but really command the offense when Bledsoe's sitting and they really need to go to those lineups that don't have as many ball handlers. Um, Edwards, I think, could accomplish the same goal, but he does it instead of be, by being a playmaker, he does it with shooting gravity, just adding another shooter that is able to pull up from, from 30 feet 
um, has probably the best range of any of the point guards in the draft. And I think really interestingly is a, much like George Hill is a great screener as well. Mm. I think you could get some really interesting sets with Edwards and Giannis where you're maybe kind of generating switches the way that the 2016 Cavs did in the finals, um, just constantly putting your point guard and your four, who's a really good ball handler in pick and rolls with each other and trying to generate that switch of Giannis onto the opposing one um, is something that I think could provide him with a lot of potentially even playoff value as soon as next year. So I think that that would be really a really good fit. In terms of fives, I think there's one clear answer for, for the Bucs, and that's Daniel Gafford of Arkansas. He's a guy who really was on autopilot for most of the year. Honestly, he came back to school and by the middle of December, it was very clear that he had made a mistake and he knew that he had made a mistake and he just kind of gave up and spent three quarters of the year looking like Anthony Davis for the second half of the season (laughs) in terms of his on-court demeanor. But at the end of the day, he is absurdly long, 6'11", with a 7'2 wingspan, um, has a 36-inch vertical on top of that, so he can jump to the rim and, or jump to the roof of the building and going towards the rim. I think that he is, at his baseline, a very competent pick-and-roll dive man and potential rim protector on the back end. And if you're having him do that for 15 to 18 minutes a game, behind Brooke Lopez or even potentially with Brooke Lopez on the floor in some, in some stretches, if he's back, I, I think that that's perfect. I mean, he's the perfect type of guy where you can get, just kind of plug him in and run a ton of pick and rolls and just have him in the center, able to catch everything and spring your guards off uh, to be able to get towards the rim. His vertical gravity is, is, great. Um, And I think that he does have some defensive value as well. So I don't think that you can do much, much better in terms of centers than Gafford in, even in most drafts, I think that he's the type of guy where if you're drafting a center late, he's who you want. Um, And, you know, a couple good point guard options there as well. I mean, the Bucks are kind of the one team in the league that actually does need both of those positions and neither of them are very strong in this draft. Um, So I think, I think that it's kind of a perfect match of they're going to be right in the perfect spot to pick. They should have all three of these guys on the board for them. That sounds fun. I like that. I like that idea. If Grant Williams wants to be there too, that's fine. Uh, there's one prospect that I've caped for. I'll admit this. It's because I ended up with him in a 2K simulation. He developed into someone really good. That's the only reason. This is not concrete proof, folks. I tried to be a draft guy one year. I thought Jalen Brown was going to stink. I gave up. Uh, I just don't. I, I just. It, it takes so much research and dedication that folks like Trevor do and it's just I, I've just stopped trying to have intelligent takes that aren't that are my own if I'm not going to put in the time. Anyway, that's enough about my failures as a draft analyst. Uh, Admiral Schofield, who I see a, people write a lot of good things about. It's like the uh, do you watch Silicon Valley? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, there's this phrase one of the characters makes up Rigby. It's like Richard is great, but and they just keep saying Rigby before they they like trash him like. I see people say these like good things about Admiral Schofield. You know, he's big, he can shoot this and that. And there's always the but. There's always that one reason people are low on him. What's up with Admiral Schofield? And he's got such a cool name. Yeah, and he's also like the avatar for my podcast. I mean, he's the yeah. version of a thick jack frame. Um, but I th- I think that the big thing with with Schofield 
with Schofield is that he is too small. He is too short to play optimally for what his skill set is. I mean, he is a small ball four who is like six three and a half. Oh, um, with, without shoes on, like he, I think, is going to be best served as like as like a screener. That that's how Tennessee used him a lot as like a screener who would flare to the three point line and then kind of flare out above the. Uh, or towards the corner and then attack off of slashes and cuts off of like secondary actions. And that's kind of what I think he would be best at is like a small ball four. Um, I don't think that he has the ball handling skills to be a wing full time. I don't think that he has a comfortable enough jumper to actually be like a full time three and D wing. And he gets lost a lot defending on the perimeter. He's better when he can kind of dig down and kind of almost play a little bit like Marcus Smart, where he's the guy that you want blowing up attempts to generate switches on defense and because he's so strong and so kind of set in the post and at the rim. He's very hard to dislodge on drives, and he's kind of the guy that you want defending at the point of attack in a switching scheme. Um, and I don't think that he would do very well in Milwaukee's defensive coverage because of how much stress it puts on your on your off ball wings to be able to make really good decisions and rotations that's not something that he's great at doing um so i don't think that he's a perfect fit for milwaukee i think that he definitely has his spots in the league that could make a lot of sense um but i think that 130 is way too early for him for him when you consider the other guys on the board and two i i think that there are better options for kind of where he could land that could make the most of his skill set that makes sense that's totally fair i i didn't realize he was quite that short i think the defensive things you pointed out are interesting and certainly the uh some of the other prospects you identified seem like much better fits it is unfortunate that this is it does feel to me as well and i mean you would know much better but I feel like most drafts are, you know, they're either full or not full of the three main groups, point guards, wings, and bigs. Like uh, there was a point guard draft, like what, two years ago when you had Frankie Smokes and Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonzo and De'Aaron Fox and even more guys. Uh, this feels like it's mostly wings, less the other two things, which maybe speaks to, you know, sort of the positions of strength in the league. Maybe it's just a coincidence. But, yeah, Milwaukee not exactly dying for wings depending on what happens, but you can never – you can never really have too many, so it wouldn't be the worst thing if a, a nice one fell to the Bucks. I know personally, and I don't know if this is really a question per se, so much as I would really like it if the Bucks could pick up another player who would not just be a good shooter, but like a very capable shooter. The Bucks, a lot of people look at it as like a really good shooting team just because of how many they jack up, but the only regular rotation player who shot above 40% was Malcolm Brogdon, and I just feel like offensively they could be a lot more effective with another guy who could reach or exceed that 40% mark. You know, does it feel like there's any, and this is so hard to predict. This is a, a weird question, but any players in that 30 range who could come in and shoot lights out right away? Yeah, I think there's there's definitely options. It's just a matter of kind of how versatile that player can be, whether you're getting kind of like a Steve Novak type who is, <sighs> an elite shooter from the, from the corners and stationary, but you try to get him off movement and he can't create separation. Or if you're getting a guy like some of the more advanced 
modern shooters. You look at like JJ Redick, you look at um, even down to like guys like Luke Kennard, guys who are able to kind of spring themselves and create space. I think that's what, that's what makes Cam Johnson such an attractive fit to so many teams at the end of the and end of the first round is he is that type of guy who can just create that separation and also has the height to be able to just shoot over the top. He is the one guy that I think is, is kind of that perfect, like, probably going to come in next year and shoot close to 40% from three and, and be able to kind of consistently float around that spot as he has throughout his entire collegiate career. Um, I think that the Bucks would be a really good fit for his skill set because they already have a player who kind of fills the same role that he does, but that he's probably going to end up significantly better than, and that's Tony Snell. If you can find, he's a very easy kind of natural fit into Tony Snell's role to be better than him. And I think that, you know, if you want to, if you want another option, because I expect Johnson to be gone by the time that Milwaukee's on the board at this point, I think that he'll probably go in the early twenties. I like Dylan Winwer of Belmont, another guy who's six eight, um, is a good off movement shooter, not as good as Johnson, but you know shows some potential coming off screens and particularly as like a trailing three point shooter above the break, um, similar to how Nikola Miritich does that really well in transition. So I think I think that he could be a really good fit there as well. Um, he doesn't necessarily, I think, have the same ability to translate directly to the NBA just because his body is a little bit thinner. And I have questions about kind of what he does outside of shooting. Whereas I think Cam Johnson's at least like a capable defender. I don't know that Winwer is, but I think if you're just looking purely at shooters, like those are the two guys that you're looking for along with Carson Edwards, who we talked about earlier, if you're looking to get that shooting from the point guard spot. Sure. I think I'm in, I'm in more, much more intrigued by Johnson. Uh, I was looking at Windler a little bit, and you know, for a second, it kind of jumped out at me. I believe he averaged double-digit boards this year, and I was like, "Oh, that's good." I mean, guy who can crash the boards and shoot. And then I kind of had to stop myself and go, oh, "He played at Belmont. He's six eight. I don't know if he, that means he's actually a good rebounder, or he might." I, I didn't watch Belmont. He's probably just one of the taller guys on the team and kind of just got those boards. Yeah, Coward stats can be deceiving. I, I, I firmly believe. Yeah, he he plays bigger than his size, and he did he did pretty well in in kind of the post college season draft camps, like the like the combine five on five. He did pretty well as a rebounder there. But yeah, I when you get him in against NBA athletes, it's it's a real question of how much that's going to translate. Um, very similar to John Rant's finishing numbers. Um, I don't know that that's going to translate as well as people think. Mm. Um, I think that Winwer is going to have a similar issue. Had to get a Ja Morant shot in here, didn't you? Yeah, you got, <laughs> you got me a chance to dig on Ja. You got me a chance to dig on um, on Rui. We just got to hit Tyler Hero here real quick, and we'll hit my trinity of guys that I do not like in this class. I mean, let's do it. Wisconsin native, notably vilified oh, yeah. in the state for 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 forsaking the, the bad Badgers. Tyler Hero, go in on – why Bucks fans should not be excited if the team ends up with him? Um, 
two very simple things. Uh, he one, he has a negative wingspan by at least two inches, oh. which is pretty bad when you're only six five. <laughs> um, you know, when you when you're six nine like or six ten like Kelly Olynyk, that doesn't necessarily matter as much. But when you're as small as Hero, that's that's a really negative thing, especially for a shooter, because it means that you're not going to be able to shoot over the top of of guys who are even similar size to you. Um, also, fifty three percent finisher in the half court on offense. And a lot of those came in kind of the deli range um, away from the restricted area, kind of just in the middle of the paint, just kind of wild floaters being thrown up. And I think that's a little bit problematic if you're looking to him to be anything more than a spot up shooter. And he's not even really that great of a spot up shooter. He's built as like this elite shooting prospect, but he doesn't show the ability to be able to shoot consistently off screens or off, uh, off movement around the perimeter. And I think that that's all really kind of pointing to what, well, what does he do exactly then? Um, the fact that he's being mocked in the middle of the first round is absolutely insane to me. And, almost more insane than Rui going in the lottery. Um, I have, I have don't even have Hero in my top 60 at this point. Um, and he's probably going to go like 17th. So that, so that's great. That's kind of why what we talked about earlier is happening. There are teams that are valuing these guys who just do not make sense projecting to the NBA. And they're going to push guys like Brandon Clark and Grant Williams into a range where the bucks could consider them. And that's wild. It is, and uh, it it sounds like it'll work out for Milwaukee as long as they don't get suckered into into one of these guys. Uh, and just, I mean, uh, Harrell, if he's gonna if he's six five with like a six three wingspan, he's just gonna get abused defensively by any time there's a switch. I mean, anybody would be able to post him up. It seems like so. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I will join you in being low on him. I'd certainly at thirty, if somehow the Bucks ended up with a second round pick, even then, it sounds like there'd be a lot of better options. One last question here, and then I will let you go. Not before we get to plug all your stuff, of course, but this is uh, something I think Kane and I are going to cover a little bit more in depth, especially identifying some targets in our next episode. But sort of uh, obviously, you know, a lot of great options is outlined here to to use that pick on. Milwaukee could also trade that pick after the draft. You know, the Stepien rule no longer applies. Bucks could find out who some other team wanted, take that guy, and then you know, trade the pick however many days later. So, Trevor, with this draft, you already identified weird players are valued strangely. You know, is there a chance that that could make somewhat of a market for this 30th pick if some team is absolutely in love with someone who falls because of the sort of flukiness it feels like really just after Zion in general? Oh, I, def- I definitely think so. I think that you can kind of point to the 2013 draft as a marker of kind of where this this draft could go. That draft featured a lot of movement late in uh, late in the draft. You saw um, you saw the Rudy Obear Andre Roberson trade um, that um, where we got. I can't remember exactly what that famous uh, Woj tweet is. Um, that he had after after that trade. Oh, the one where he would just stopped midway through announcing the deal and just said whatever. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. 
coach moment. Um, that's kind of where I think this this draft could end up going. I think that the Bucks definitely are going to have a little market at the at the thirtieth pick, and you know could maybe leverage things into if the right players available for the right team, they could leverage that into maybe like a very heavily protected future first or um, or like a unprotected second from a team who's in the high thirties, where you know that actually has a chance to convey into like a meaningful pick in coming years, like in the 30 to 35 range, kind of getting you setting you up to maybe make that next Malcolm Brogdon selection. Um, I, I think that there's definitely potential that they could end up using this to gather maybe a couple more assets that could extend you know, the flexibility that they have going into what's going to be a couple pivotal summers here in a row for them trying to maintain the team around Giannis before they have to maintain Giannis. Um, So I I think that that definitely should be on the mind of Bucks fans and and they should be looking at teams like Atlanta, teams like uh, Philadelphia who have those multiple second round picks, um, or teams that are kind of in that early range who can maybe swap out a second this year and a second next year um, to be able to get the guy that they want um, at that 30 spot. Definitely. And uh, always good to have options. And one further thing just on that, that possibility, particularly with the second rounders, you do get additional cap flexibility when you take a second rounder as opposed to a first rounder more non-guaranteed years, which is even easier than getting the team options because you have to take those basically a year in advance. So that helps and lower just salaries too, which all of that stuff starts to matter a whole lot more when you're a team that could potentially run into luxury tax this year like the Bucks. So another reason that could be an option on the board, so to speak. Um, I think that's all I've got for now, Trevor. I really want to thank you for your time. And as mentioned earlier, this is this is the moment right here. Let the folks know where they can find you, where your where your stuff is coming, so to speak, and uh, what you've got going on. I mean, obviously the uh, the big board, as you already mentioned, but uh, what else is cooking? Yeah, so I've got a um, I've got the big board probably coming out on Monday at the um, at the step back. Um, if you're probably listening to this after Thursday morning, I will have a second round steals. Uh, post up on the step back as well. So that could highlight some potential targets for the Bucks to just take it 31 pick ahead of the second round. Um, and and we, it'll cover some of the guys that we covered tonight. Um, and then probably going to have kind of my final big board reveal podcast for Thick Jack Frame sometime next week, which while it is a Cleveland Cavaliers center podcast, and that may scare away some of some of your Bucks fan listeners, um, I try to make it just kind of a net kind of a neutral draft podcast that can be listened to by fans of any team. Um, so while I will probably talk about kind of where guys could slot in for the Cavs, I think that it could potentially give you some good information, at least on kind of my scouting process and explaining kind of why I rank some guys that we talked about tonight, where I rank them. Um, so that should, that should be something coming this week as well. And then, um, hopefully on draft night, I'll find something to do. Um, try to be, try to be on somewhere, either a video video thing or or figure out something to do there. Um, but we'll go from there. Sounds good. And just one further incentive for anyone considering listening to Thick Jack Frames, the Cavaliers focus, which may make you go, oh well, who cares? Obviously, no one available at five will drop to thirty. No one will go that that uh, that far drastically, probably. But Something to remember, Cleveland also has, I believe, the 26th pick this year, too. Yep. 
So a lot of players scouted around that same end of the first round range of interest to Bucks fans. So definitely go check out that podcast, subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. And folks, while you're in the subscribing, rating, and reviewing mode, do that to this podcast, the Eurostep as well. You know, keep on listening. Uh, we're gonna keep bringing you all the all the on point Bucks coverage we possibly can. Everything that's timely, probably some things that aren't timely, but mostly timely. Uh, Kane and I will be back sometime next week to do uh, some more Bucks talk, a little bit of drafts, more free agency stuff. As always, we really appreciate you listening. So thank you, Trevor, and thank you to all of the listeners. Please uh, tune in next time. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.